And we're back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. My name's Michael. I'm a Spurs fan. My name's Jason and I'm an Arsenal fan. And we are here to recap the festive fixtures and look forward to the year ahead. It's been quite an eventful few weeks for both Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Jason, how do you feel about how Arsenal have started the year? Well, first of all, I think it's also been a great time for both of us personally, being able to have a nice relax and refresh and for me to get pen and paper. Four. We're yeah. going into the future with some pen and paper uh, in I the know. studio. I know, nice smooth notebook. So uh, I will not be caught off guard this time <laughs> of any uh, canisms or Pochettino-esque phrases. He's, he's um, come prepared. But I feel like New Year, uh, hopefully new me on the podcast. I think I will try as much as I can to be as objective as possible and uh, not... Bash the almighty Spurs for no reason whatsoever. It's one of those classic New Year's resolutions. Yeah, that yeah. Let's keep. see how long how long it lasts. Because I remember you said actually before the podcast um, ended for 2018, you said to me how long, before, you know, by the time we get back, it'll probably hashtag Emery out and all of that. And uh, <laughs> I must be honest, you just asked me how the past few weeks have gone in Arsenal's perspective. And I'm nearer to that than I was <laughs> before. Emery out. Yeah, before the... Uh, before the Christmas period. And I think what's happened is I have been susceptible to reading a lot of the big Arsenal bloggers and hearing some of their points. And I'm like, oh my God, I resonate with these so much. And I didn't want to say it. There's an elephant in the room because everyone's kind of say, oh, it's better than the Wenger, but we don't want to say it. Um, but is it really? The defence is still the same, probably worse off actually. Attack, you know, you see glimpses of it. But really, you know, I, I remember saying to you, Liverpool game, we're going to lose. I mean, it'd be a bonus if we want. And we didn't just lose, we got schmeist. Fulham game, easy win at home. We did, happy days. But that Brighton game, which I said that will show where the progress is, we didn't win it. But someone kindly pointed out to me that under Wenger, we probably would have gone on and lost that. Silver lining. I mean, you need to be winning those games if you want to have any chance of of being one of the top teams in the top four, um, let alone going near a title. We are nowhere near that top two. Top two, top three, rather, actually. Who's, who's second at the moment? Um, I don't know. I haven't looked at the table for a while. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say if I was going to grade it out of 10, that um, at first of the period, I'd give it a give it a five. We got the, we five. Got, we got the we got a win, loss, a draw. And as Emery said, something before the game, something really kind of odd. He said, well, we, we need to um, balance out. We get one, a loss, a draw, a d- win, like in that first of the period. And I'm like, well, that's it's a bit defeated almost. I know you're saying, oh, we'll get a win to balance it out. You should be saying, we're going to go get the win to make up for the loss. So he's kind of accepting that mediocrity, which is not what I wanted to see. And I know I'm going on a tangent here, but when I've seen Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who I think we should probably speak about, kind of how United have been reborn, I'm thinking, well, why didn't they bring in Thierry Henry after Wenger? Get everyone excited. That buzz will connect with the players. It's all gone a little bit bit flat now because we've seen half a season same old rubbish really um overall unbeaten run as you said master a lot of uh of uh fragilities in the team and i kind of feel like we're at uh the end of venga zero again which is not great so new year same old over to you with, so, with your thoughts on well, spurs so five it's interesting that you said Five is your grade because obviously five is how many goals you conceded against Liverpool and your position in the league at the moment with fifth. But speaking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think it is, you're right, we should uh, touch on him and and that resurgence under him 
at Man United. Are you now concerned? Do you think Arsenal is starting to look over their shoulder? Uh, you know, United, I think, three points behind you now. Uh, potentially United overtaking you, maybe dropping to sixth. And if that does happen, then do you think these, you know, little Emery out, maybe whispers at the moment will become much larger and there'll be bigger questions to be asked? I have heard a lot of people talk about Unai Emery saying it was now, in retrospect, an underwhelming managerial appointment. And I've got to agree with them. I think out of all the candidates, he kind of came left field, has a good reputation, but not a great reputation of the tight calibre of manager that Arsenal should be attracting. If we were linked with the Klops and the and the um, Pep Guardiola's and the... I was going to say Pochettino's of, of the world, and then we ended up with that, then then it, it doesn't give me much hope for thinking about what Arsenal's reputation really is like around the world. I think it's kind of like the English national football team. We think, oh, we're great, we're, it's coming home. Blah, blah. But then we speak to some of our international friends who say, oh, we know the English is being really over the top and, you know, deluded. I wonder if, Arsenal, if fans of... Bayern Munich or Juventus look at Arsenal and say <laughs> they think they can get Massimo Misliano Allegro Allegri or uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Are they joking? They're, they're, who are Arsenal anymore? And I think Liverpool were probably in that stage as well where they were kind of out in the wilderness. Nice historical club. They would want to go there. Um, United almost got there but they, they managed to bounce back in my opinion with Jose Mourinho. He did put them on the map again. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so to go back to your question about kind of those Emery out whispers I think yeah you're going to start hearing it throughout the season because um, a famous Arsenal blogger called Le Grove wrote the other day about style playing style after six months of Emery and he says what is peak Emery I have no idea what his style is I, I, I don't what I see attacking wise is what I saw with Wenger kind of a nice bit of tick attacker nice goals maybe more players um, kind of showing off their individual ability but defensively, I mean, they, they don't have a clue. They look at each other gormlessly. That Kajelny every time just stands there, kind of no fight, no shouting, no, and he just puts, mopes, puts his head down, kind of crawls back to the to the edge of the box, ready for kickoff. The keeper, I don't know what's happening there. He just seems to be shot of all confidence. I don't even know if he had it in the first place because I was, ne- I've never really been impressed with him. It feels like, and again, this was something about that um, Le Grove wrote, is about that the policy they had in the summer was we're going to bring in a bit of youth like Wendouzi and Leno. We're going to bring in a bit of experience like Lichsteiner. Where's the strategy there? We're not looking at a young dynamic team who are kind of bringing players through like Spurs did and very well. Because let's be honest, they did. I can't, you know, New Year, New Jays. They brought through Harry Kane through the ranks. So if I'm right, Trippier, he was at City, but they brought him through the ranks. Danny Rose pretty much came up. Um, a lot of these players were nurtured. Dyer, for example, got nurtured into these roles and, and kind of grown in stature. But what are we doing? Our great, there was a, there's a famous picture of the Arsenal five British core signing contracts. The one that's left now in that picture, because apparently Aaron Ramsey's just signed a pre-contract with Juventus, allegedly, is, you, is Jenkinson. Paul Jenkinson wow. like pops up once in a while for a little charity match then goes back to what he does. I, it's unbelievable. I don't know what the strategy is. I don't know what the playing style is. And I think that even though they've restructured the club, it might be a long-term process. This might be Emery saying, I just want to see what I'm doing this year. And I think the club actually needs to come out 
if it gets to the end of the season, he doesn't win a trophy. They're not going to sack him midway through the season. It's ridiculous. The end of the season, they'll look at it. And then I think there should be the sporting director alongside Emery should say, listen, we wanted to see what we got this year. This is what we have. This is who we've got rid of now. And this is what we have to do um, to achieve the next step. I think they need there needs to be more indication of what the direction is because I think all other clubs kind of, through very strategic PR, have been able to show this is the kind of club we want to be. You can again see Spurs. We want to be young, dynamic, brand new, fresh ideas. Liverpool also have a bit of that feel. Yeah. I don't, City as well. I don't know. Arsenal seem to be kind of taking steps back in, in similar to United. Um, and again, it might take what happened to United to, to sort out this mess at Arsenal. So do you think then it comes from the top down as well? It's not just, do you think any manager, whether it be Emery or Henri, they had come in this season, would have struggled with the group of players that they've got, the squad, which a lot of the same players with arguably a lot of the same frailties, and then also problems you're suggesting in terms of recruitment and in terms of players on contracts, you know, getting to a situation whereby you're about to lose Aaron Ramsey for nothing. Um, you know, meanwhile, you've got Ozil on a massive contract who's not playing. You know, those core group of English players you said haven't been brought through. Do you think this has been a, a long-term issue at Arsenal or you know how much blame yeah. is just Emery how much is everything around him the players the club from the top I think it's a bit of both I think one thing I need to dispute is about oh we don't spend money I saw a table the other day I don't know if you saw it it said like Arsenal third top spenders in the Premier League yeah, year or something ridiculous yeah. so uh, so hold on a sec Kroenke has put the money up I, I don't care what you say 50 odd for Aubameyang which is a lot of money for someone who wasn't really proven on top top level and, and sort around from the world. Ozil costs a lot of money. Sanchez costs a decent buck. You know, even though Shaka costs 30-odd million. Yeah. I think they've been spending the money wrong. But these players, I think you could take each individual one, put them in one of the top teams, and they would do a job. As the Ox showed at Liverpool, someone performing bang average at Arsenal was one of their great performers last year at Liverpool. Yeah. So I really dispute the fact about spending money. I think whatever happened with Wenger happened with Wenger. But we played it safe with the managerial appointment. So it's for me, it's all about style. You know, Wenger had Van Persie and Adebayor who were great at one point. This guy has Aubameyang and Lacazette, who I think a lot of the top clubs, you know, Aubameyang's top goal scorer of the Premier League. So what more can you ask for, really? Yeah. I, th- I think um, I think we've got it. We've played it safe. We haven't got a mentality around the club of what we want, what we are setting out to achieve. Defensively, I, you know, it's... It, I know everyone says, oh, you need to go and spend 80 million on a Van Dyke. Again, you've got Vertonghen and Davinson Sanchez and Alderweireld. Good players don't need to spend money on them. You mm. pick up these bargains, just good players. And they have brought through Socrates, Lichtsteiner, who has a bit more experience. Kalasinac is now kind of new and fresh in the team. They had Holding come in. These are good players. Yeah. Good players who, you know, if you've got Liverpool with Alexander Arnold and Joe Gomez Robertson and Robertson, well. who's yeah. come out from Hull with all due respect. And Lovren, who's been terrible at times, Clavin, Matip. Apart from Van Dyke, one player can't change that whole back four. Goalkeeper can organise them. To f- he, um, Van Dyke can lead them, but it's a whole unit. So yeah. it's the coaching. You know, you, you can. I think you, I remember a quote you said to me a long, 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 long time ago um, about your dad met a scout once upon a time. He said a lot of the, they look for like certain attributes, like a speed and things like that. You can coach a lot of the other things. You know, these guys are fit enough to cover certain ground. They're smart enough. To know if a player's uh, running in behind them or, yeah. or, or, you know, to communicate with their, their fellow players. So it's something fundamental in the coaching at Arsenal. And I think because there's been so much disruption, 
that, uh, that that's the reason. It's it's frustrating because it seems so simple. You know, Socrates is a very good player. Have we spent the nece- the money necessary at the back? Probably not in terms of monetary fee. But Bellerin should be good enough as a right back. Kajoni should have certainly been, and Mustafi, a German international and French international, should be good enough. I don't care whether it's Clichy, Gibbs, um, Kalasinac or Monreal. They should be good enough to at least not go to Anfield. I mean, Schmeist, obviously. Yeah. And Yeah, Yeah, because looking at that defensive display against Liverpool, it did seem like, you know, late era Wenger sort of all over the place. And I was thinking, well, looking at some of those players who played Leno, who looked very unsure of himself playing out from the back, even though he was brought in seemingly to do that. Um, players like Lichsteiner. It seemed like there were a lot of Emery signings that were in that defence. You know, I was just defending Emery, but you look at the players he has brought in, I suppose the only one who's really been a hit is Torreira. Torreira, absolutely. And Guendouzi to an extent. He's a good young player that's come through, but he's not good enough for this level yet. Why would he be from League 2 to suddenly being thrown in? Why why would he? And it's harsh because he's going to get the stick now when things go wrong, but he shouldn't be anywhere near that team. He should be on loan for the rest of the season at a club in the in the lower half of the table but it won't happen because we don't have the the necessary resources to have, to afford to lose him where's the why do you have to bring in a french 19 year old where where are the where are the sentiments who have been grown up at, uh, around arsenal not one hmm. not one it's not about where they're from it's about it's about them coming through the system and learning the st- the arsenal style of play another point my famous friend uh the grove made <laughs> was about per mertesacker and about how they put him as head of academy haven't seen I've seen these bang average players come through um, in kind of this Bakar guy and, and Kittetia who hasn't grown at all. Emil Smith-Rowe who, again, I don't know whether he's, he can do it at the top level just yet. Who's it, it who scored against Liverpool? Naitland Miles? Maitland Miles. Who, they've been around forever. But what, where's the style? I mean, you know, Mertesacker has been very quiet in the press as well. And again, it seemed like a move that wasn't very strategic. It didn't look at the long term. It just said, let's just put on a good show show we can uh promote from within i think that's what they want to do with arteta as well yeah. and maybe that has been an issue maybe because emery wasn't involved in a lot of these decisions to restructure the club yeah you know if be. he if, yeah. if arteta was there and he knows per mertesacker they were both vice and uh, captains together they could have been some sort of fresh young link and again a lot of people blame ivan gazidas who's now jumped ship to milan um he kind of oversaw this process but didn't actually execute it and see it through which is a shame because now it kind of feels again as we've said like a half-baked plan um with no end goal in sight so it's obviously it being january now the the sales are on the Mm. transfer market's open what do you think arsenal need to do do you think you need to go out and buy players and if so who or do you think it's a case of actually we're going to look at promoting players from within we're going to look at our youth academy what sort of strategy do you think Arsenal should take in this window? How big a window do you expect it to be? How big a window should it be from a fan's perspective? Funnily enough, I think it's more important to get rid this window, and I don't think it will happen, but I think it's a real shame that they've let this happen with Ramsey. They should have given for a cut, uh, cut price, 20 mil will take, go to anyone in Europe, get rid, get players who don't want to be at the club, out the club. How is that healthy, knowing that this guy's coming on the pitch? And he really Does he care? I, I don't know. Does he really care? Is he really going to run that extra mile? Won't he... want to get injured, will he? No, of course he won't. Yeah. And then, you know, um, plays like Ozil as well. Like, what is the point? I don't, we don't, nobody wants him at the club anymore. That it's, it's detracting from the rest of the great work that the club are putting in. So if you can get rid of those toxic players, I would say, and get some of that wage back, and then look at what you have 
really see what you have. You know, you might there might be a young boy who can now get onto the bench and play twenty minutes and score, and you get you sort of get that Rashford phenomenon, for example. Or I'm trying to think, Spurs got got Winks eventually, and um, or even Kane at the very yeah. yeah. And then um, who's that boy from Chelsea, Hudson? Hudson yeah, yeah, someone like that. But we we just don't seem to be giving those chances, and that's because you've got players who don't want to be there blocking blocking that progress in terms of actual signings. Um, Emery this afternoon rejected Kalor Navas. Said, he, "Why would he? He's not coming. I'm happy with my three keepers." Yeah. I think that would be a brilliant move. I think check's done. I think Leno's not ready, and I think we need we needed a proper proper keeper, not someone who's a has been, not someone who's too young. We needed a proper keeper. Like uh, Liverpool have gone out, said we need a keeper, so we're going to go get the best keeper on form. That's what you do. All the yeah. top keep, you know, United have De Gea, um, Chelsea uh, still to be determined with this boy. I can't even pronounce his name. I hope he has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> Spurs of Lloris, City of Edison. We have Bernard Leno, barely. Mm. Ber- barely Bernard Leno. So again, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, again, I don't know what the strategy is. I think we need to go and sign a number 10 for sure. Someone's just, because we have two brilliant strikers. We have our defensive midfield now. We need to go sign someone to link that together. And we also, of course, need a powerful centre-back. I don't think it's going to happen because apparently they don't exist. Apparently you can't get them in January. Hello, Liverpool signed Van Dijk in, in January. So they're out there. Are you telling me there's no better centre-backs than past has been Kajelny and, and hapless Mustafi? <laughs> if that's the case, then then, uh, then I need to play more football manager because I, I, I don't know... I, I don't know what the scouting team are doing then. Who are they looking for? What? Are they just going to games and saying, oh, there's no one better than us. No, 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 no. <laughs> I suppose with uh, the goalkeeping situation, it would be a bit embarrassing for Emery having signed Leno in the summer and having made him such a big part of the, the new Arsenal to then have to go in for another keeper in January. I suppose that would be maybe why there's some hesitancy there. Or he's denying it now because it would be such a admission of failure, I suppose, to have to go in now for another goalkeeper. Um, but it's interesting to contrast your situation in January with ours, because I think mm. you saying outgoings, you'd rather see outgoings. I think for us, there will have to be outgoings if there's going to be any incomings because of our situation of needing to sell to buy with the stadium finances. I'm not sure whether we're going to get anyone in January. We've been linked to a lot of names like we were in the summer, didn't sign anybody. Um, but I think, you know, going back in terms of you, you graded Arsenal's festive period for Spurs, I'd if I was thinking of a grade, Oh, I'd probably go eight or nine, mm. to be honest. I go high because, okay, we lost to Wolves 3-1, but other than that, 6-2 away at Everton, which I was shocked by. Incredible. I thought bizarre. that was going to be a really hard game. I thought we'd probably lose it. They've got Charleston, Sigurdsson, it was away. Absolutely delighted with that. To follow that up then with a 5-0 win over Bournemouth, I was thinking, here we go, this is I think amazing. just to add on that Everton result, going one down to Theo. Exactly. And to come back and to from come that back. and not, not even... Didn't dent your confidence or, or game plan, which shows the yeah. manager's um, mentality, I mentality, suppose. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, when Walcott scores to make it 1-0, I thought, oh, here we go again. And I mean, the only silver lining is I put Walcott in my fantasy <laughs> team for that weekend because I knew he'd score against us. But yeah, and so then to follow that up with the Bournemouth win and then, yeah, okay, slipped up to Wolves. Those are the kind of results that I think happen over, the, over this period. We saw City lose to Leicester and Palace. Obviously, your result against Brighton. You know, you get mad results over Christmas games coming thick and fast. We had the lowest number of days off out of anybody. And I think you could see in that game, the fatigue, both mental and physical, hit them, particularly given our squad's been stretched to the limit. You know, no Vertonghen, no Dembele, no Wanyama, no Eric Dyer, all those injuries. So I think for us to 
done as well as we have over Christmas considering that and then to bounce straight back with that 3-0 win over Cardiff you know score three goals in the first half hour get that match won out of the way instantly um, absolutely delighted and obviously we're in this situation now where as things stand we're above City we're recording this just before the the Man City Liverpool match tonight so when you're listening to this you'll know the result maybe Spurs will have dropped a third but I presume you want City to win to keep your title challenges alive or you I mean, I guess that's the positive way to look at it. And yeah, because I, I mean, I think for us, I want City to win, yeah, for that reason, but also just to keep the title race interesting because if Liverpool win tonight, I can't see them getting caught. It'd be such a big points gap then. But out of any club that could bottle that, Liverpool, you think Liverpool, the last they, time they Liverpool have, and City were in a title race, we remember what happened. They have uh, history, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, for us, just to be in the situation where if you'd said going into the new year, Spurs will be above Manchester City, that is ridiculous considering the money they've spent versus us, the situation we're in, no signings, no stadium, all of that. Um, whether we're really title contenders, who knows? I think we've just got to keep on doing what we're doing, winning games and see where we end up. Um, you know, we've been a top three team the past three years. I don't see any reason why we can't be a top three team again this year. Realistically, it should be between Liverpool and City, given the money and everything. But the fact that we're just part of the conversation, I don't think anybody would have predicted at the start of the season. Uh, so to be here is, is thrilling and it, and it you know gives you that buffer now to the top four race. You know, at the start of the season, top four was a realistic game. We're now seven points clear of fifth. I can't remember which team's in fifth. Um, maybe Jason knows. But uh, yeah, so I'm delighted at the situation we're in in the new year. Um, and it's just a case of whether we can keep on surviving with the situation our squad is in and, you know, competing on multiple fronts. Carabao Cup semi-final coming up, Champions League knockout stages. How how long can we keep this going before it starts to bite and no signings injuries all of that and you mentioned the no stadium just before and i just wanted to bring up about new white Hart lane great name by the way um very well thought of was it neil warnock the cardiff city manager who managed who mentioned um i saw an article yesterday actually about saying how it would be unfair for spurs to move into their new stadium halfway through the season because that means that clubs that play against them who are in and amongst the relegation zone alongside Cardiff, they might have an advantage if Spurs don't hit the ground running in this new stadium for one reason or another. I also think he, he has ignored that other facet as well, that you could start playing really well in that stadium and start beating other teams that they need you, they need to win. So I think I think it's slightly un, unfair, but I, I am interested to hear your, your perspective and a balanced perspective about, yeah. about this um, topic because it's something I've thought of, I think... I think he's got a point. He has got a point. I think it's it's it's, it's slightly archaic, but and um, it undermines a lot of different factors. But he, I think he does have uh, have a case there. Yeah, I think it's it's strange because, as you said, I think if you're going to make that argument, most people would expect you to make it the other way around that it would put Spurs at an advantage rather than a disadvantage being able to move into the home stadium. I think surely it would be beneficial to Cardiff that their relegation rivals would have to go to the new White Hart Lane rather than to Wembley, particularly mm. if you think of how much it would damage the morale at, at Tottenham and the feeling around the club if they said, oh, we're going to be at Wembley for the rest of the season. Mm. And particularly given attendances now at Wembley are capped at, at 50,000. And Wembley feels like a cup final for these teams. They're likely to up their game. Exactly. So, I mean, you saw with, with Wolves what they did at Wembley. Um, so I think he's completely wrong in terms of his justification. But in terms of the premise of is it fair moving stadiums halfway through, it's an open question yeah. but I think from a Spurs fans perspective you know we've had now a season and a half of being disadvantaged 
not having a home stadium. So if we get half a season of a potential advantage, I think that's fair, to be honest, given the season and a half a bit. I mean, remember when we moved to Wembley, everybody said we were cursed. Yeah. Now Neil Warnock's saying it's an advantage for us yeah, to play there. Yeah. And I think we've shown with our, our stint at Wembley and our away form this year, yes, it, it matters where you play. You've seen the difference atmospheres can make. You know, we see it at Anfield, a lot's made about the atmosphere there. But I think we've also shown that at the end of the day, the ball is still round. You know, these days with regulations, all pitches, if they can be, have to be a certain size. The game is is the same and you just get on with it and play your football. And we could have complained a lot about, okay, yeah, it's a situation of our own making because we decided mm-hmm. to build a new stadium. I understand that. But still, you know, we, we could have complained a lot about how Wembley's hindered us and what we could have achieved if we'd still been at White Hart Lane. Um, so I think, to be honest, it, it, it'd be an easy thing for people to bring up to try and mm-hmm. play mind games, you know, come the end of the season if we do. I mean, we might not even be in the stadium this season. Who knows? You know, it's been pushed back so many times now. Um, so, you know, I, I I can imagine it'll be something teams bring up if they do have the players at the new stadium later in the season. But I think really in the scheme of things, how much of a difference it makes, I'm not sure. And I also think it's, you know, we've been disadvantaged for a season and a half and we've got to move back in it at some point And, you know, how far do you take it? Yeah, and I think I the, my, my only thought on the whole thing is that out of all the things of football, we're so flexible. You know, you have a January transfer window, which you never used to have back in the day. One of the fixed variables in football is the stadium, and it should be, for me, equal across a whole season. But you know, this is this is a a different scenario. We're we're a flexible society, an individual society where people can do and say what they want. Therefore, no rules, no rules apply with this one. I think unless it was in the Premier League handbook that says. No club can play in more than... And I think there is something about more, two I or more. we had to get p- permission yeah. to, to be able to... Yeah. And, and I think they granted it because they understood the situation. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is special dispensation, I think, is made when it's factors that are extraneous to football. Yeah. You know, the stadium being delayed, it's, it's an off-the-pitch matter. Yeah. You know, maybe if you look into it, you can blame the, the club for reasons why it's been delayed. But they'll say things beyond our control and you see matches having to be moved all the time because yeah. of, of things that happen outside control and i think any other club would expect the same understanding to be extended to them were they to be in the same situation so you I think, think that uh football fans can't look forward to an eight point reduction then for spurs <laughs> or, uh, for this stadium fiasco i think that would be uh highly highly controversial um i'm sure some fans would like to see that some but, fans yeah some fans some red and blue fans i'm sure <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, some of the news this week about your Lord Harry Kane, or Sir, almost Sir Harry Kane. Um, that's one thing we haven't talked about yet, but I think we'll we'll leave that for now. But also about hit the stat yesterday, I heard about scoring against all Premier League sides he's ever faced. Yeah, which is fascinating. A reasonably impressive statistic. Yeah, and about what you in, want from your striker. There's, I a ta- there's a table where he's something. What's that table about? He's done it something more than Aguero and Omri and Shearer and. Would you consider him among those greats or do you think there's a long way to go yet? And and what does he need to do to consider himself amongst those players? I think the one thing that's missing and the one stick that everybody will beat, not just him, but Tottenham with until it happens is is a trophy. But I think, you know, on the other hand, if, uh, if uh, Tottenham were to win the Carabao Cup, is that going to make Harry Kane any better a striker than he already is having a Carabao Cup medal? It's all, I think uh, 
definitely in terms of goal scoring, he is, I think, objectively one of the best strikers, not just in the league, but in the world. I mean, last calendar year, this time last year, people were bigging up the stat about him breaking Alan Shearer's record for most goals in a calendar year in the, in the league. But actually, the bigger thing was that he scored more goals that year than Ronaldo and Messi in a calendar year. So if you have a striker getting those sort of numbers, of course, he's one of the best in the world. Okay, next step is, is winning a trophy. But in terms of doing what a striker does, scoring goals, I think undeniably he's already one of the best strikers, not just in the league, in the world. And I think that's relatively uncontroversial mm. considering, I mean, those goals, those stats you bring up speak for themselves. Yeah, I saw a great pass from him on match of the day yesterday. He was against Cardiff when, I think it was for, for Son, who yeah. then passed to Ericsson. Yeah, fantastic. that's the thing about Harry Kane that I think, do you remember there was that period towards the end of Wayne Rooney's career where people tried to rebrand him yeah. as this kind of deep-lying yeah. midfield player yeah. and it didn't quite work. I think Harry Kane will be able to do that successfully towards the end of his career, play almost in midfield because he's got the, the stature, he can hold players off and his range of passing, I think, is something that goes underrated. People talk about his goals and, you know, when Harry Kane isn't scoring, people kind of have question marks against him but I think what he brings to the team, other than the goals, is just as influential. Yeah, not um, his finest looking goal uh, against Cardiff either. No, but, you know they all count, yeah, and that's, that's got a position. You got to be, yeah, you got to be in those positions. You know, as I, 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 we had strikers who were never in the right positions. Now we've got, now we've got two. And so with um, you mentioned a bumming a bummy yang earlier. Do you th- so? Do you think the oh, striker bummy, situation yeah. at Arsenal is? something you don't really need to worry about is Aubameyang mm. the next Henri can he rival I mean he's leading the way for the golden boot sure. at the moment can you know speaking of strikers speaking of Harry Kane do Arsenal have regrets about how they let a young a young boy of Harry the young boy that Harry Kane was slip through their their grips would you swap Aubameyang for Kane for example that second question's put me right off um I don't think it's the Arsenal style really to bring these players through these kind of top quality talent. I mean, you can say we nurture a lot of them from mm. when they're kind of, you know, like Omri wasn't the biggest and best. We turned him into that. Um, same goes for Van Persie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of both of these, these strikers, Lacazette as well. I think Lacazette is more in the mold of a traditional Arsenal striker, more just that strength and, and, and finesse. In Whereas, French. Yeah, yeah, in French, of course. But Aubameyang, most famous na- uh, man in Gabon, I believe. Um, if, the, if there is anyone else in Gabon, any Gabon Gabonese listeners, please let me know. Get in touch. Um, I, I think he, he's quick. He can finish. He can, he can do the sublime. He's got a great celebration on him, which we always like. Um, but he can go anonymous. He can. Uh, he does turn up at the big games, but he kind of... What was that stat against Liverpool that he only had six touches or yeah thirteen touches six six kick kick off yeah Yeah. which is lovely to hear Um, always what you want from your top striker I'm not sure he's the type to take the game from the scruff of the neck and really get down and dirty which I think Lacazette I could see him kind of tracking back like mad and getting really stuck in when he goes off which it frustrates me seeing him go off the pitch and like sulk on the bench but surely really wants to play and really wants to score for Arsenal. You can see he was delighted when he scored yesterday, uh, or a couple of days rather, um, ago. In terms of would I rather have Harry Kane, I think Arsenal would rather have a striker who is scoring goals week in, week out from anything and who is contributing to the wider team. 
at this moment in time, I don't see that as our problem. We're scoring free will. So at this moment in time, I would say to you, no, not right now. We would not want to sign the player in question. However, um, th- that could all change. That could all change um, in a moment's heartbeat. Listen, you take as much quality as you can get. That's something that always annoyed me about the Wenger era. We've rejected si- re-signing Fabregas, who would have brought a lovely flair back to the midfield because we have Ozil. Now, not the same position, but you can play. They can all play. Like City, you can keep them all happy if you've got a squad who know they're going on to something great. You can't keep them happy when Alex Lacazette sitting on the bench looking at Iwobi pass the ball out of play or, you know, um, or Ozil running around like a headless chicken or Aaron Ramsey who's planning to leave and he's still sitting on the bench. That That's when you've got to say they're, they're not going to be happy. But, um, yeah, I think... Uh, Future looks good attacking-wise, defensively, a uh, lot to, uh, left to be desired. And uh, something that, that saved Arsene Wenger for a couple of seasons was an FA Cup win. Mm. FA Cup fixtures, third round being the next matches for, for both mm. our clubs. Do you think Arsenal FA Cup this year? Would winning that be a big for the club? Or is that something you're kind of think, up uh, for? Emery has a good record in the Cups um, across his career. Um, I think he won both domestic cups last year in, in in France. He'll put out a good team for sure, but like what happened in the League Cup, they kind of uh, they bottled it in the last minute, which I wouldn't usually associate with our club ish. Um, Emery likes kicking balls. Emery does. Oh yeah, but he he was very classy the way he responded. But you know they set a precedent with with banning managers with that or giving them fines. So fair play. He'll cough up the eight thousand pounds. I'm sure um, he won't do too much damage. And uh, we move on. But uh, FA Cup, we should go and beat Blackpool away. It wouldn't surprise me if we lost. It wouldn't surprise me if we rested a lot of players. Um, I think you've got to look now. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. It didn't sound good. It sounds like an explosion. Wow. Okay. That's a first. Uh, explain what's going on. <laughs> Just had a, a loud noise outside the studio for those. Quite, uh, quite off-putting, actually. Maybe it's a sign. It's the Gunners. <laughs> It's like cannon. Yeah. And the cockerel. And the cockerel. Do you want to do a, uh, what's your rendition of a cockerel? Oh, that's <laughs> a tricky one. I almost did the di- I tried to do a dinosaur roar when <laughs> Neil Warnock was mentioned. Um, but I, I restrained myself. Um, sorry, I just bought myself a bit of time there to think about what I was uh, about to reply to you. And I've forgotten what I was talking about. Um, FA Cup. FA Arsenal. Cup. But Arsenal. Yeah, so you've got Blackpool. Potential, potential giant killing, but... Yeah, very much so. But I think what I was thinking about, sorry, that's what I was about to say, was what would be success right now? I think you've got to go win that Europa League. You've got to go win the the Europa League now. That is success. You get Champions League football, you get a trophy. I'd almost say then you leave. I'd almost say then, Emery, get out of there. Get someone else in, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd almost say... Emery out. Well, well, you would have steadied the ship. You would have got us back to that level because we're damn well nowhere near that level right now. It would be lucky. Um, and, th- and then you go, in my opinion, Arsenal, go do it properly. When you're back at that level, that's all they wanted. Maybe they, they don't deserve to be at that level. I think we do need more time. That, with me, would be real success. But again, as I've said before, as long as we don't regress, we're, we're in good stead. But also, standing still is not, is not a positive. Interesting. And, and what, get Thierry Henry in? 
if you win the Europa League? Or well, that's, it's not going too well for him in Monaco. Jose, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. Well, listen, we need a winning mentality. We need oh, someone to stay that. in the ship. It would never happen because Wenger would ve- Vengo? Wenger would be- veto it. But it'll be interesting to see where Arsene Wenger goes now because he said in January, oh, now it's my new job. Yes, I believe. But he hasn't said anything yet. And I wonder whether he'll Man United. be a director of football or a sporting director or a coach or... Um, general coach or scout or I don't know maybe he'll go help Omri save him at Monaco maybe I don't know maybe come back to Arsenal do you think that because a lot was made of Emery changing the mentality at Arsenal tougher grittier do you think that now here in, in 2019 are you really any better off than you would have been had Wenger still been in charge maybe the mood might be different but in actual league position and everything else Less predictable, for sure. That's something I like. I, I'm watching the game. I think, oh, we're not going to do the same old of it. But ugh, in terms of results and, and kind of the nitty gritty and on paper, black and white, nothing's changed. I think the mood. I think the mood has certainly changed. I think they need to make a big January statement signing, which they won't. But I'm hearing we might sign. Um, so rumors about Chengiz Under. Oh yeah, and I'm like very nice, but you know we've been linked to him. A few that's times not as gonna. Well. I know, and actually, I've written it down because Mr. Michael Dalton, Ooh. I have a little another game for you. Oh, here following we go. the hashtag game with no name, <laughs> I have um, I've come up with a name. I just think the link with no dink. Okay, <laughs> that, that, that was what I was thinking on the on the tube. Um, so January signings, it's January transfer window. Um, Spurs have been linked with many players because you didn't sign a lot of people in in the summer. No, and I would say. You were mentioning, actually, um, about some of these players. And, and in my opinion, they're not the right players for you because you need, like City and Liverpool have got, you take one world-class player off, you bring another. Some of these players, I think, embarrassment if you if you were to put them on for Ooh. some of your likes. Um, but here's the suggestion I had. I'm going to, a bit like, um, have you ever played Articulate, the game? And I it's kind of so. like, have a word. It's kind of like charades, but you can explain, oh. like, who is it? Um, I'd try and guess who the person yeah, is. Yeah, but I you... can't say the name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. These these are the Spurs. Um, these are the Spurs players who you've been linked with, or the players Spurs have been linked with. Um, so I'll try and um, create some hints. Ooh, so I'm looking forward to all this. Right, first one. Uh, all right. The first name is a character from some books. From a book, and the second name is Mole. So the first name is his second name is Mole. He's a teenager. Second name is Mole. Yeah, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Otherwise, the whole thing's gone out. He was a he was an adolescent teenager. There were books. Harry Potter. No, all right. He's West Ham's keepers. West Ham's keeper, not Fabianski. Who is it? I don't know. Who the other keepers. You know. You know. He was there for ages. One name, just like one word, like Edison or Allison. Oh, Ad- A- Adrian. All right, that's the first. first uh, I missed that. Word. I didn't realize yeah. you linked him. And then second name, the first part of it is like what Pogba does, a dab. Dab. Adrian. Oh, Rabio. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Rabio, oh. number one. Right, another one. Um, okay, first word, first name uh, is like the tank engine. Thomas. Yep. Second name. Um, oh, God, there's a player... Huddersfield striker who scored the other day who sounds a bit like this. Munoz? Thomas. Kind of got it. Thomas Munier. Oh, right yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. All right. Um, 
two PSG players yeah. so far. All right, I can't think of the first word at the moment. Second word, second name. Um, his second name is a color. No, it's not. Is it? I'm talking to myself. I was about to. I was about <laughs> to say Kevin. Then you would have said Brown. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, maybe not. Okay, so. Okay, so there's a big department store in London, very famous around the world. Kensington, I think it is. Um, not Selfridges. Harrods. Yeah. Harrods. Without the plural. Harrod. Yep. Jared Bowen. Yep. The Jared whole. Bowen. Well done. Yep. Um, another one. Um, I'm sure that I've seen like a like a kebab chippy shop called this actually. <laughs> also, the name of a Portuguese international is on a free now, but you want someone from another club. Defender, known for being tough tackling. Portuguese, let's play for Madrid. Pepe. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, I could go on a night with these. But, that was, that was uh, I thought that fun. was, yeah, I thought it was different. I, sh- I should have, I'll, next yeah, time we'll say do a, a list of Arsenal uh, yeah. targets. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of some of those targets, though, obviously, I think Rabio is looking like going to Barcelona, unfortunately. He mentioned something that he um, didn't think, uh, he thought he was a bit above Spurs' level. That was Thoughts? the rumour, yeah. Well, I think that's very revealing of his own mentality and fair enough if that's what he thinks he's free to think that um but i think you know let's see how well he does it at barcelona do you think he has a point though um do you think spurs are at the same level as psg well not in terms of the money we can offer but in terms of the playing style well look i mean comparing the french league to the premier league I don't know what's more impressive, winning the French League with PSG's re- uh, resources or or being second or third in the Premier League with Tottenham's resources. I mean, PSG, OK, they've got Neymar and Mbappe, but let's be honest. I mean, when was the last time they got to a Champions League semi-final? Just, are they... just Neymar and Mbappe and Cavani. I mean, it's nothing very special. Uh, yeah, I know, but are mm. they really any... I mean, I'll regret this when they go on and win it this year. <laughs> no, the whole but thing. Let, they haven't got any closer to winning a Champions League, really, than, than Tottenham. And PSG, most spectacular bottled job in European history recently. Interestingly, under Unai oh, Emery's Interesting, management. isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, against I think Barcelona. that was what got him the job at Arsenal. <laughs> exactly. Um, maybe oh, Venga, he... Venga, hold my, uh, hold my bottle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hold my zip. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he kicks that bottle yeah. against Brighton. The, the flashbacks to that, that one night in Barcelona. Right. But, and the, the Thomas Munier was kind of mooted as a potential swap deal with Alderweireld, mm. potentially. Problem is, he's a right back and we've got, you know, Trippier, Serge Aurier, who we got from PSG, and Kyle Peters, who got three assists against Bournemouth, played really well, hasn't been, in, hasn't been in the team since. Yeah, yeah Kyle Walker-Peters, otherwise known as Kyle Walker 2. Um, but interestingly, I nowadays with Tottenham get more excited about the players like the, the Jared Bowens, even though Pochettino today seemed to say that wasn't, he said the first time he'd heard the name was in the press. But That's what uh, Wenger said about Arshav in the night before he signed Well, him, exactly. But. So probably, as we're recording, probably it's been announced. <laughs> but I get more excited now, actually, funnily enough, about those signings rather than the big names because everybody wants a big name but when you look back at our most successful signings Deli Alley, you know Harry Kane mm. came through the youth system it's those players who have proven to be better offers whereas when we paid big money on a, on a Soldado or a Janssen or you know those are the ones that haven't worked out mm. so I trust the recruitment process at Tottenham that yeah. you know they'll sign players who will fit I think that's the big difference as well because you think anyone can see who's playing well in Europe and spot a talent um, not everyone can can uh, can find those hidden gems as well, and that's what I think Arsenal's problem is as well. They don't know they don't know whether they're here or there with them. They're kind of finding these. If they go send that underboy, I don't know who the hell he is. Never heard of him before. He could be a hit, great, but it's a risk for that money that they're they're proposing mm-hmm. for him. Whereas you know you go and sign 
not that he would come to us, a Maro Hamzik, you know he's proven, you know he's played Champions League level, you know he's the position you want. You go and sign and you pay the money, 10 mil more maybe than you want to, but then you won't have to go and place him with another 40 million player a year later when he turns out to be a dud. Yeah, sometimes you you have to spend money to save money. Yeah, it's called investment. It's, it's business, simple business and economics. But unfortunately, I don't know what degrees they were doing at Arsenal. Probably, <laughs> probably a geography degree or... Uh, some ancient archaeology or something, which are great degrees. If anyone's listening, great degrees, very good, very useful, very good jobs now, especially in um, in this Britain. But uh, maybe yeah. that could be another game for the future, matching Tottenham and Arsenal players to to what they would have studied at, yeah. at university. Well, you you just know, uh, Aubameyang would have been a would have been a sprinter or an athlete, regardless. I mean, of yeah, all, all of them would have been involved in their colleges. I'm uh, sure. Sports oh teams. yeah, I'm sure. But I think. Uh, um, uh, I wouldn't have trusted Emery to be an arts and cra- uh, not Emery uh, Leno to be my arts and craft teacher. He dropped that pottery straight away. <laughs> I'm sure Lichtsteiner would have been um, a anger management counsellor. <laughs> so, in maybe perhaps in the spirit of New Year's, we should wrap up with some resolutions for Arsenal. We're going to do some songs, jingle bells, jingle yeah, bells, some New Year's Emery song. all the way. Um, what are what would you say if Lichtsteiner, you, if you were Arsenal, club, <laughs> What would be your resolutions for the year? What needs to get sorted out this year this is the change this this is the new arsenal arsenal to become a club that values the the um the art of defending and realize that once you have your base you can then build upon that not the other way around you don't put the crown on the head or the or the 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 flag on top of the building before the the base is cemented i like that how about you i think speaking of cement and, and building things, get that stadium done, new resolution number one, and then I think it's a case of continuing to, you know, Tottenham have, have built something quite impressive. I think either we need to get over the line and get that bit of silverware, or if we don't, and if we are threatened with maybe people, you know, clambering with their, their fingers over Poch and some of our players, we need to, I think, have a new mentality of, okay, if we lose some people, it doesn't matter project goes on i think we need a newfound sense of durability and a belief that whatever happens this project doesn't need to end just because this player goes or that manager maybe goes um but i i hope that man united overtake <laughs> arsenal and Chelsea in the league you. not just so that they're both then in the europa league but so that then they'll give the job to what they're going to sell show yeah. and we can be saved you <laughs> know that boring speculation in the summer i also agree though um about that second resolution about kind of being more durable and kind of be able to say we don't the project doesn't have to end but i also think you're probably at a stage now where you can say no we don't want to lose you we're going to throw that extra money and say no we are this club and we, we and that's something i've wished for arsenal for so long we've never done it we've never said you know all these other clubs say no we say go on fabregas we'll drive you home to your to your home in barcelona just say no it's Put not your foot you know down. you've got a contract boys boys and girls contract notice <laughs> periods Basic human resources. There we go. Um, so, I mean, it's a big year ahead, 2019, for both our clubs. Um, we hope you'll be listening along with us. Please uh, spread the word, tell your friends, subscribe, share, comment, like, retweet. We're on Twitter, Canon and Cockerel, iTunes, subscribe, SoundCloud, Acast, wherever you get your, your, your podcasts. Um, and we'll be here every step of the way. Cockadoo. Cannon and cock.